Alicia. The good news is finally here. Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. The Bible says in John 3.16, And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Big Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we are with Lamb Lion Ministry. We thank you for being part of today's program. We have titled our program for today, Sidon's Fall. So stay tuned as we look at Ezekiel chapter 28. Those of you following us live uh, on the different platforms, whether it's pray.com or social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can follow along with that as well. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones, and ask him if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. We pray that you'll help us grow in our relationship with you. We hope you'll reveal a better understanding of, of what your prophecies mean and how we can apply them to our own lives. And we pray that we'll grow in our relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Mm, amen. Again, you're tuned in to Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. Again, the title of our message for today is Sightings Fall as we turn our attention to Ezekiel chapter 28. So we invite you to get your Bibles and something to take note with and follow along with us. But before we continue again, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones. Nathan, I welcomed you twice. Twice? Why is that? Well, the first time I said I'm going to welcome Nathan Jones and ask him to pray for us, and then I welcomed you again. So that was a blooper on my end. <laughs> well, you, you, you well, lived up you, to it and admitted it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, ex exciting weeks ahead. A lot of things going on around our country. Uh, so many of it falling in line with Bible prophecy. I was at the gas station uh, yesterday. And I went to get gas, and once I filled up my tank and I looked up at the price of gasoline, I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, what happened to the price of gasoline again? And it just shot up from like just one month to the next. And it almost reminds me, Nathan, why the Bible talks about that in the future there's going to be an economic collapse. The reality is things are just crazy these days. Yeah, it is pretty frightening. Uh, it's I tend to follow some of the finances, the Durgan Report and some others. And uh, there's also a good blog uh, about the coming financial collapse blog. And a lot of times I think there's a, you know, it's chicken little called the sky is falling. But there's some serious concern right now about quite a number of banks starting to fall like dominoes. And it's not unheard of for banks to come and go. I mean, banks are constantly merging and changing and starting and all. But it's the beginning of the signs that we know that from Revelation 13, uh, where this, well, we know that the final economic system of the world will be this Antichrist system, where you, you can't buy or sell unless you take a loyalty mark to the Antichrist and his master Satan. We're not there yet at all, don't, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, we know that in the beginning of the tribulation time period, that people will work all day for a a loaf of bread. I mean, they were talking about a worldwide economic collapse coming, and we're starting to see the beginnings of that because there's, except I think I read Sweden, every country in the world is drowning in debt, absolutely drowning in debt. And when this happens, when the fall comes, uh, it will cross the whole planet. I mean, if the United States economy collapses, the whole world collapses. We've seen 
As, but as numerous uh, nation states financially start to collapse, we read about Pakistan and China's economies are close to collapse. And we know that then this Antichrist will rise, bringing uh, promises that he can restore the world. And, and usually it's financially, but I think there's also cataclysms involved. So, And the rapture of the church, I, that too. So, yeah, I don't mean to get off on a tangent here, but it has been a concern of mine. And I think it should be a concern of all of us that we know prophetically that the world is facing another great depression, probably even worse than the one from the 1930s. We've caused it. Our debt spending has caused it. Uh, but it will change the world as we read in the Bible. Well, Nathan, and one of the things that you and I do is that we'll highlight little things in the news just to give people a glimpse of what to be aware of. And that's why I love the perspective programs that you do. Uh, it's really to give people a glimpse every week and daily of what's going on uh, on top of our regular program. So that's why we just like to highlight certain things so that at least people are understanding how all this ties in to prophecy. And speaking of which, Nathan, how can people get a hold of these resources in case they're new to our program? Well, the prophetic perspectives videos that Vic is talking about, you can find it on our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel, and as well as our website at ChristinProphecy.org. They're short videos. Uh, Tim Moore and myself uh, will interview different people, and uh, we'll also teach from the Bible. But we you know, we do a television program every week, which is called Christ in Prophecy. It's now in its 21st season. But the problem with television is it takes a, a, quite a while to edit and prepare and disseminate. And so by the time we release a TV program, uh, the news would already be stale. So we create these quicker online versions like the prophetic perspectives to, to connect more with what's going on in the world. So check us out on our YouTube channel, Christ in Prophecy.org, our Rumble channel as well. You can find us on his channel. Uh, but you can check us out primarily through our website at ChristinProphecy.org and our Lamb and Lion app. Awesome. Thank you, Nathan. And just a lot of wonderful resources for you, including our podcast that we do here regularly, which uh, speaking of that, we have been making our way through the book of Ezekiel. Uh, and it's been an amazing study, Nathan, these past, especially Ezekiel chapter 28 we've gotten some feedback from folks that have been tuning in they've been texting us and letting us know uh that they're blessed and that they are uh tuning in and listening to the program and nathan even you and i each week as we do this program we're, we're learning ourselves as the lord begins to unfold for us certain prophecies through his word and we have been uncovering again this spiritual dynamic behind the influence of of satan himself when it comes to kingdoms and kings and the downfall of them. And that's what we have been looking at Ezekiel chapter 28. And of course, today we're going to dive into another amazing prophecy, and it has to do with the fall of Sidon. So Nathan, as we have been covering Ezekiel chapter 28, in case someone is new and was not aware of some of the things that we were looking at, might you be able to give us a quick recap before we move forward in Ezekiel 28 verse 20? Absolutely. Well, Vic and I were kind of joking that we're a little tired of tire. Uh, we read <laughs> the last four chapters as we go verse by verse through Ezekiel, how uh, the nation state or city state of Tyre was condemned by the Lord. Uh, not only was it a prophecy that came true by the destruction by Nebuchadnezzar and then later by Alexander the Great, but the prophecy was revealed that Satan himself for a while there had his throne in 
Tyre and was ruling his kingdom from Tyre. So it was also a prophecy about Tyre. If you tuned in in the last two episodes, you can also find that on our podcasting page on our ChristinProphecy.org website if you want to catch up on our last podcast. But we got to know a little bit more about who our enemy is and how Satan works and what his past is and what his future is. So now we're, we're switching gears. And you might be like saying, yay, we're moving to another prophecy. This is a prophecy by Don. Now, remember that Ezekiel, as he makes these prophecies, Ezekiel lived about 2,500 years ago. He was, uh, well, more like 2,600 years ago. It was the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. He was a contemporary with Jeremiah. And both of them prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem. But because all the surrounding nations mocked and laughed and celebrated that Judah and Jerusalem were destroyed, the Lord then made proclamations against these other nations. So we just got through Tyre, which would today be in Lebanon, and Lebanon, a little geography lesson, is directly north of Israel, and Tyre would be one of its southernmost cities. Well, now we're moving up the coastline, still southern Lebanon, but to the next city-state of the Sidon. Nathan, thank you so much. Wonderful background. And of course, we give you that so that as you follow along with us, maybe you're new to the program, you can sort of get a glimpse of what we're traveling through in terms of the book of Ezekiel. So we find ourselves in Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning on verse 20, and we'll go down to verse 26. Nathan, would you be able to open us up there from verses 20 through 23, and I'll read verses 24 through 26? All right. Pick it up, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 20. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face towards Sidon, and prophesy against her, and say, Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I am against you, O Sidon. I will be glorified in your midst, and they shall know that I am the Lord. When I execute judgments in her, and am hallowed in her, for I will send pestilence upon her, and blood in her streets, and the wounded shall be judged in her midst, by the sword against her on every side, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And then verse 24, we read, and there shall no longer be a prickling briar or a painful thorn for the house of Israel from among all who are around them, who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Thus is the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the people among whom they are scattered and am hollowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I have gave to my servant Jacob. Interesting, and they will dwell safely there, build houses and plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgment on all those around them and despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Nathan, another amazing prophecy that we find here, and we see again uh, God's uh, dealing with Sidon, but then a prophecy pertaining even to the future of the nation of Israel. Absolutely. And a little interesting history here when it comes to Sidon. Uh, it was also called Zidon. It was a port city located in modern Lebanon on the Mediterranean coast. It's So we're moved, moved up the coastline by 22 miles. So it's pretty close to Tyre. Uh, it's interesting as Sidon was meant to be that area, both Tyre and Sidon, in the, the land of Israel. It was, it was given by the tribe of Asher in Joshua 19.28. But, you know, some of the lands were never controlled uh, when Joshua's uh, armies went in, and they never took that land. And due to Israel's failure, they couldn't abolish the Canaanites that God instructed to destroy. And so Israel started doing business dealings with Sidon. They obtained mir- uh, 
materials from them from building the temple. So Sidon wasn't always an enemy of Jerusalem, but at times they were. They helped rebuild the temple in Ezra's time. So later there, there will be somewhat of a friendship after Ezekiel's time with them. Uh, we know that uh, Queen Jezebel, you know, if you've, you've all heard of Jezebel, she was a Sidonian. She married King Ahab and caused Israel much trouble. The city of Zarephath is near Sidon, and that's where that widow took care of Elijah and where the Lord poured oil and flour for her through the famine and gave them oil and water. Uh, the widow's son became ill. Elijah raised him from the dead there. Uh, later in New Testament times, there'd be a church in Sidon. So there's a lot of history with Israel and Sidon, uh, but Unfortunately, up to this, what we're reading here in Ezekiel, that Sidon is going to be punished because of its wickedness. It was known as a, just like Tyre, it has quite the merchant city, but it was also tremendously idolatrous, uh, tremendously wicked. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 21, uh, excuse me, 11, 21 through 22, he says, Woe to you, Chorazin, and woe to you, Bethsaida, for the miracles that were performed and you had performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Why? Because Jesus was in the towns of Chorazin and Bethsaida. He did miracles and the people didn't believe him. But he says that, hey, if I was there in Tyre and Sidon back in the day, they would have believed me and repented. And so their judgment will be much more bearable for them. Even Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have been more bearable for them than having Jesus there. So a lot of history with Sidon in Israel. Nathan, and, and, and it is amazing, and I love those analogies. I love when even Jesus himself uh, quotes the Bible because some people have a tendency to be New Testament only and not so focused on the Old Testament. But we realize the whole Bible, New Testament and Old Testament, is very important because they both fit like hand in glove. And that's why historically it's just amazing how these things unfolded and came to pass. But I, what I love about the Bible too, Nathan, is oftentimes you have near prophecies and far future prophecies. Here we have this prophecy regarding the fall of Sidon. Then you get to verses 25 to 26, and it seems like now he's talking about a further prophecy in the future after they have been scattered, how they will once again be regathered and, and dwelling back in their land safely. Right, Nate? This is what makes a lot of especially Old Testament Bible prophecy confusing. Because the Lord would give a, a prophecy and it would have a near fulfillment, but other times it would have a far fulfillment and sometimes an even farther fulfillment or partial fulfillments. I uh, kind of reminded, a, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to love Sesame Street. I used to love Grover and I still love Grover, but Grover would run up to the TV and go near and then he'd run back and go far. And then he'd run up and go near and then far and back and forth, back and forth. And then he'd collapse exhausted. And I always cracked up about that. Uh, but it was kind of a good example of prophecy, prophetic perspective, is that there was, when these prophets were given these prophecies, they didn't understand that there was a near and far and sometimes farther fulfillment of it. Well, that's what we're getting here. We're, we're, we're now in verse 25 of chapter 28, and we're going to get a farther prophecy about Israel's future blessing. Nathan, I love that. But Nathan, that's that's something new. I didn't know you love Grover in Sesame Street. I'm going to have to send you one of those dolls. <laughs> oh, wow, it's okay. My kids are grown. I don't know what I'd do with it. Give it to your grandbabies. <laughs> Let them fall in love with it. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I love that analogy that you were sharing. And that's the amazing thing about the Bible. And that's why we're doing this verse by verse study. So individuals can also understand that as we continue to unfold the book of Ezekiel, especially when we get to chapters 36 and 37, right, Nathan, we'll have a lot more details in what God has to say about gathering his people that were scattered for thousands of years. But here we see just a small glimpse, if you will, of this amazing super sign that we have seen materialized today during our time. And it's that of the regathering of the nation of Israel. And Nathan, that is a modern day miracle. Would you agree? Bible prophecy teachers often call it a, the super sign. The fact that Israel is returned as a nation from the dead. Uh, you know, we're really going to get into that when we finally make our way up to Ezekiel 36 and 37. That'll probably be 2024. No, just kidding. It will eventually make our way up there. But the, the, the idea is that, okay, Israel is suffering here. Ezekiel is giving these prophecies. Uh, he himself is in exile. Uh, their, their nation is destroyed. The people are despondent. They're in Babylon. They're aliens in a strange world. And they're wondering if the Lord's going to fulfill his promise for a future blessing for Israel. And so Ezekiel's trying to provide uh, the Lord through Ezekiel, I should say, provide hope and encouragement that Israel will have a future blessing. Now, Israel, after 70 years of exile and 50 years, they come back they, and they build the temple again. So that makes 70 years. But the country never rules itself again. I mean, a little time during the Maccabean period. But for the most part, foreigners will control their land. Eventually, the Romans, uh, the, the Jewish people reject their Messiah. And so in 70 AD, the temple is destroyed and the Jewish people are dispersed in what's called the diaspora. Until May of 1948, there was no Israel. But according to prophecy, it, it came back. I mean, what nation comes, ancient nation comes back from the dead, right? There's no Hittites or Mayans or Incans today. Those nations will never come back. But Israel came back according to prophecy. So here we get this. Again, the farther view of this prophecy is not only was Israel blessed to return after the Babylonian exile, and they were able to be blessed by the return in our day and age, but there will be a even further blessing when after the tribulation time period, the Lord will gather the Jewish people. He will, those who, the third that survives the tribulation will accept him as savior, and they will be a priestly people during the millennial kingdom and they will be um, esteemed amongst the nations. And that's Israel's future blessing that we're reading here. So Ezekiel, I don't think he could even begin to imagine how far flung this prophecy would go. Nathan, and that is to me uh, really uh, amazing because when you look at this telescopic view, it's almost like when you're looking through a telescope of uh, binoculars and you turn the little jog wheel to be able to see clearly, and then you're able to see further in. Or for, Now we, we, we're, we're going to, in a sense, pull in those uh, lenses in the binoculars, and we're going to now go back in history as we look at, at Ezekiel chapter 29, because now it's going to be dealing with Egypt. So we went from Babylon, Tyre, Egypt, and these are all historic time periods of different kings and kingdoms that were ruling at that time. And Ezekiel sort of lived in a time frame, Nathan, where a lot of these historically touched one another. Oh, absolutely. I mean, most of Old Testament history is about Israel dealing with their hostile neighbors. And that's kind of the irony of it. 
is that ever since Israel became a nation again in May of 1948, so it's reached its 75th year, that's been at war with its surrounding neighbors. It's like we're reading the Old Testament again. Even Gaza, which didn't exist till 2005, became a country again, sort of, you know, Palestinian territory. And so we've got all the ancient enemies of Israel surrounding Israel and attacking. So a lot of these prophecies we're reading have the farther view is that Israel will have, and the Lord through Israel will have to subdue these countries again. And this is where we can kind of cross over to Psalm 83, where another prophet, Asaph, made a prayer, and it was called an imprecatory prayer, a prayer against the surrounding nations that persecute Israel. And the, it's also a prophecy because Asaph was a seer. And that prophecy says that one day Israel will subdue the nations around them, the hostile nations. So what we read here in the Old Testament, again, has prophetic future fulfillment in not only the new, but in our time. I love that. And, and this is why we thank you for being part of today's program and following along with us, because we're sort of like leaping back and forth in history prophetically. But each one of these comes it, it comes with a very important message for that nation at that time, for that king of the time. And I hope that even today, uh, this will be a message for the presidents and the kings of today, that there's something that we can learn from history. Uh, so look clearly now at speaking regarding uh, uh, Egypt, we see here Ezekiel is prophesying. He's commanded by the Lord. He is obeying the Lord. He's instructed uh, to bring certain messages. And here in Ezekiel chapter 29, verses 1 through 7, we're going to notice again where he mentions the timing, the dates. And if you look back in history, you can see clearly how this, this these um, ruling uh, nations uh, pinpoint to their exact locations. And they're beginning in chapter 29. I'm going to pick up their verses 1 uh, through um, verses one through 4. Uh, maybe, Nathan, if you could do verses 5 and 7 in case someone doesn't have a Bible. But it says, in the 10th year, in the 10th month of the 12th day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him. And against all Egypt, speak and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of the rivers, who has said my rivers is my own. I have made it myself. Verse four, but I will put hooks in your jaws and cause the fish of your rivers to stink to your scale, excuse me, to stick to your scales. I will bring you up out of the midst of your rivers and all fish in your rivers will, lotuses, stick to your scales. Yeah, that's an interesting term, isn't it? Stick to your scales, okay. <laughs> well, let's pick up in uh, verse five. I will leave you in the wilderness, you and all the fish of your rivers, you shall fall on the open field. You shall not be picked up or gathered. I have given you as food to the beasts of the field and to the birds of the heavens. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord, because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel. When they took hold of you with the hand, you broke and tore all their shoulders. When they leaned on you, you broke and made all their backs quiver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, surely I will bring a sword against you, and cut off from you man and beast. And the land of Egypt shall become desolate and waste, 
and they will know that I am the Lord because he said, the river is mine and I have made it. Nathan, it's amazing to me how many times we we, we see these kings again uh, thinking that it's them. This is my territory. This is my kingdom. This is mine. And the Lord is almost saying nothing belongs to you. Watch what I'm going to do. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, too, that so here we've got all these nations surrounding Israel or it's Judah, really, at this time period. The northern tribes of Israel were taken by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., but what we've got here is, is all these nations surrounding Israel, and the Lord uses Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon as his instrument of punishment. I mean, all the, the nations in the Middle East were pretty much attacked by Nebuchadnezzar, destroyed, taken to exile, and he ruled over them. But then we read how in Daniel, which is after Ezekiel, how later Nebuchadnezzar himself got up and started bragging, hey, I built all this by the power of my strength. He's looking at his hanging gardens. And what did the Lord do? He he basically took his mind away. It says he gave him the mind of an animal. And he lived in the wilderness, I, I think it was for, what, seven years? And it says his fingernails grew like claws and his hair, he didn't wash it, so it became like bird feathers. And he ate grass. And he's like a mindless animal. And the Lord used it to punish him. Of course, he restored him. So no man is... An island unto themselves. You know, no man is great in God's eyes. They're merely tools to be used for his purposes and restoration of, of mankind to himself. And so, yeah. So here we got the king of Egypt bragging that he created the river. Because, as you know, the pharaohs were worshipped as kings. You know, it's interesting um, when you read archaeology, Vic, and you go back and you realize that in the early days, like the days of Abraham, there weren't very many people on the planet. So what you did is you had the heads of families who eventually became heads of clans. And as the clans grew, they became heads of cities and lots of city-states. And that's where you first start seeing these kings. Uh, even in Abraham's time, there was kings. But Abraham uh, puts an army together of 300, and that's considered a big army at the time. So as far back as you go, there have been people, men, who want to climb to the top of the social ladder. And they, they get this power and you're right, it goes to their heads. They're, they're treated specially. They're, they're given honors, they're given money, they're given women and horses. It goes to their heads. And pretty soon, they're going around telling everybody they're gods and they expect to be worshipped. You know, how fallen is mankind? Nathan, and, and it almost serves like a reminder of, of kings trying to mock God, even in the time of Moses, the pharaohs, uh, remember the plagues that came out the river, they worshiped the Euphrates rivers, they worshiped the frogs, they worshiped all these, and God says, you want, you, you want to worship this? Let me give you so much of it that it's going to come out of your nose. And we see, Nathan, yeah. that again, we see it's, it's a mocking towards the things of God, and this, this is why God, this, they pronounced this judgment against Egypt. Yeah, yeah. God, you know, it says the Lord loves a humble spirit. He doesn't love haughtiness. He doesn't love pride. As we talked in last week's episode, pride is what brought Satan down. It's what brought us down. That's why we're we have sin natures. We're sinners. Our pride leads to rebellion against God. So uh, the Lord loves a humble heart, and it takes a humble heart to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ and and accept His salvation. Maybe Vic, you can this time share how one can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
Absolutely, Nathan. I know we only have about a minute left of the program, but if you're tuned into our program, if you're listening, if the Lord has stirred your heart towards a relationship with him, if you've come to recognize that you need God in your life and you want to give him an opportunity, you can do so. You can invite him in. Uh, God does not push himself on anyone. He is a gentleman. He has to be invited in. And the way you do that is with a very simple prayer. And if you pray this prayer and you mean it from your heart, God will transform your life right where you are. He'll transform you from the inside out. And it begins with a simple prayer that I would invite you to follow along with me and pray this prayer and watch what God will do. Just call on the name of the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And God, right now, I repent from my sins. I turn from my wicked ways and I turn to you. I want to invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. And from this day forth, I want to follow you, Jesus. In your name I pray, in Jesus' name. And it's that simple. And if you pray that prayer, we would love for you to get a hold of us. Call us, text us, 305-992-9537. Nathan and I will rejoice to hear from you. And we'll send you some information that you can continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. So I want to say congratulations for starting your relationship with Jesus. And that's what it is, right, Nathan? It's just trusting in God by faith. Amen, brother. Yes. Uh, humble spirit will uh, turn to the Lord. Praise God. And of course, we ran out of time for this segment of the program. We thank you for tuning in to The Truth Will Set You Free. Nathan Jones, the Petita, saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. We hope that you have a great week.